This is the Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. We are at the Humarian Health Podcast, and we are joined again today by our favorite medical nutritionist, Jody Smith, who is here to talk to us about uh, Whole30, among other things. So welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you taking the time and having great patience with us today. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I probably should have said, and Dr. Benzinger's and on as well. And I'm on. And yeah, I'm Amy right. Baker. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's been a while. I'm a little rusty, I have to say, with mm-hmm. this whole podcast thing. Uh, it just rolls off. I know, right? No problem. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing Whole30 today? Is that what we're doing? Whole30 and keto? Yeah. I wonder if we should do Whole30, keto, and let's stretch Miss Smith and say... Paleo-inclusive? <laughs> That's a lot of things to cover in one short it podcast. It is, isn't it? I but think keto, paleo and keto, are they really that far apart? But I anyhow. I don't know. Okay, so let's just talk about the basics, okay? Um, are, are those three actually related at all, or are they pretty distinctively different type of diet plans? Well, in some ways they're related. In some ways they're very distinctive. But before we jump into the specific diets, let's talk just a little bit about the reason that we need to talk about diets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think that so many people have this attitude that it's January or it's the beginning of the year and we need to go on a diet, which I don't know if you know this, but that's, you know, the most common um, New Year's resolution that's made is I want to go on a diet. And we've... I want people to really understand that things are changing in America radically. And I think that um, being a good weight does a lot more than just make you feel better. You know, one of the things that we're concerned about is the cost of health care. Mm-hmm. And I was just looking at a new statistic, and it said that obesity-related illnesses cost $190.2 billion. Wow. Wow. That's that incredible. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And then when you look at the fact that 78 million adults are obese. Now, this isn't overweight. This is obese. And 12.5 million children. So you know, that's higher than things, I thought. I mean, 75 billion. I, I mean, million. That's, that's higher than I thought. That's a lot. It's terrible. And and, um, obesity in children uh, between 11 and 14 has quadrupled. Yeah, yeah. That one I Four times. Wow. So what we've got to do is we have got to think about this in terms of the big picture. Mm -hmm. Because diets are going to come and diets are going to go. And we can talk about the specifics. But what I want people to really understand and to think about is that this is a growing problem. No matter how much wealthier we get, no matter how much we learn, we're still having more and more people be obese. And one of the things I've been teaching these last two years in all of my cancer classes is about how obesity now is the number one risk factor for several types of cancer and especially breast cancer. And it is a higher risk factor than smoking. Wow. So <laughs> in harmony. Yeah, wow. perfect. Exactly. Things have changed. This yeah, is they really not have. the same, the same <clears throat> information that we've been saying forever and ever and ever. And something that's just really simple that doesn't necessarily go towards obesity, but it kind of does. And that is the fact that Americans are eating so much sodium and of course the wrong type of sodium, right. you know, they're just having regular old table salt. And what they um, have determined is we could save 
millions of dollars just by eating less sodium. Hmm. Just that. You know, it's it's crazy. Just a third less. But Jody, so, you don't don't you get it? It's Friday night. I worked all all week. You're not going to give me I the nachos and to, wings. Like. I got to pull up to that plate of sodium, and and, exactly. and it's just good. It's nice. just good. Well, so what? Well, oh, go ahead. The, th- the thing is, is that when we look at these diet plans that are available, and we think about them in these kinds of terms, and my my point in in saying some of these statistics is that we have got to find a way to eat that will not only help us to lose those extra extra pounds, but keep them off forever. And that only equates into lifestyle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. So I hate the term, I hate the word diet because mm-hmm. it immediately conjures up something that's for a season. Mm-hmm. And the diets we're going to talk about um, really are for a season and probably not the kinds of programs that you would stay on forever. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about some of the things that are, are in or in our, our uh specific to each of these diets. Uh, let me, let me jump. Re- let me ask you one other thing, Jody. So sure. really what you're saying, uh, I think this is what you're saying is uh, constant, constantly talking about diets is probably an error that really sh- we should be talking about lifestyle and all the aspects of it, diet of which is one of them. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so when we are talking today, I will, uh, will do, you know, what is it? Uh, it's a buck today. Okay. It's a dollar. Every time we say it wrong, <laughs> goes in the tail. No, um, <clears throat> um, but there are many other factors associated with, so it's a, ch- it's a choice of the way I'm going to live, not just, because I hate to say it when you say diet, it almost gives you a little pressure point. It's like I know, tense. It really does. It's like, oh my gosh, did I eat something wrong? Did I eat the olive and not the, the and I've thought about, it, that's really the big issue, but it is actually a choice is how am I going to live? Well, so I guess, right. and I guess I'm curious then, is there, you talked about sodium as one element. I mean, mm-hmm. are there sort of just basic things that we should be thinking about if we're going to change the way that we eat? Are there certain categories or topics mm, that we need to make question. sure we're kind of contemplating? There really are. And I know you um, had asked me a little bit about macros. And, you know, the macronutrients are fats, carbohydrates, protein, and, um, and uh, you know, calories. And, you know, people have this this attitude now that if I just make the right food choices – then I will lose weight. Mm -hmm. And it's very frustrating to a lot of people when they do these really strict diets and they don't lose weight or when they do something really strict like keto and they lose a ton of weight. But the second, the second they deviate, they gain, they begin to gain weight back. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And again, that isn't going to work long term. Because it's I, not I a lifestyle, it's a just a diet change. It is, and it's what it is sort of falsely changing your metabolism. Right, right. Forces it to so change. Right? When we when we talk about diet, certainly food is very, very important, but so is physical activity. Yeah. Hmm. So is the amount of water you drink. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the I stress don't know. you're under, right? Stress. And, and stress so alone. Stress, period. of mm-hmm. course. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one thing that I, I really want to encourage people that's just a real foundational principle is that every single person needs half their body weight in ounces of water. So if you just take your body weight, divide it in half, and drink that number of ounces of water. Now, I would specify and say good water, mm-hmm. you know, pure water, um, and that looks a little different to different people. But making certain that we have 
really good quality water, just doing that and not changing one other thing, not that I'm telling you to do that, but just (laughs) even if you did that and didn't change another thing, you would lose weight. Every study shows that. Interesting. Mm. Part of the lifestyle, right? So you're saying that you want clean water. You really don't necessarily want to draw up a Hormone-laced, drug-laced, uh, chemical and environmental toxin-laced water yeah. to drink. Huh? Got it. Right. Makes sense. I, I like to, my favorite water and what I drink at my house and with all my family is um, reverse osmosis. And what they've done with reverse osmosis is be able to purify the water down to as close to H2O as you can possibly have. Right. Now, a lot of people talk about having minerals in your water and really minerals come from your food and not your water. So I'm not a big one for putting minerals in there because the minerals that are in there just mostly have to be excreted by the kidneys and they aren't minerals that you would actually break down and utilize. So um, just pure water, just that is a beginning point. And then when we start getting into these macros, you know, uh, that's where things get a little different. For example, with Whole30, you don't have to count calories. And that's fine. There's no, you know, I'm not saying that everybody has to count calories, but the bottom line is, is if you take in more calories than you expend, you're going to gain weight. Mm -hmm. So you could feasibly gain weight on Whole30, even if you're Mm. eating all the right foods, because you could be eating too much food Mm. for your, and some people do, and it's very frustrating Mm -hmm. to them. I've done everything right. I've changed it. I've been strict. But they've just eaten a lot of the things that they can eat. So one of the things that I want to say to every single person, and, you know, I've been a nutritionist about 45 years, and so I've heard a lot of stories. And my philosophy is if you listen long enough to someone, they're going to tell you what works and what doesn't work for them. They figured it out over a period of time. So they'll tell you things like, well, when I did this diet, I actually lost weight. Hmm. Did you gain it back again? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) You know, so one of the things that that I really want to stress is no matter what diet you pick that works for you. And I think that, you know, there are good points to most diets. Well, maybe not the uh, egg diet or the chocolate diet where you're just doing mono foods. But, you know, the diets that are popular today, which would be keto and Whole30. I want to start with, with Whole30 a little bit and say the greatest thing about Whole30 is it puts an emphasis on real food. Mm-hmm. And that's critical. That is just absolutely positively critical. Real food needs to come first. Jody, and you know what? Jody, yeah. what whatever happened to Whole40 and Whole60? I, I mean, <laughs> that was out there years ago and it's like gone. And I'd like to know why. No, well, kidding. I think that our, our emphasis now is just on um, trying, you know, if something's always being villainized, you know, Sean, you and I have been around a long time. And hey, stop we it. Know- stop it. I haven't been around. <laughs> no, no, I just read a lot of your stuff over the years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, we know the days when fat was villainized completely. Mm-hmm. And people would come and say, I haven't eaten any fat today. <laughs> And you look at him and go, hmm, is that a good thing? (laughs) Yeah, right. And now everybody is like, guess what? I had five tablespoons of coconut oil today. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, something's always being villainized and something's always being made the superfood. And personally, I don't necessarily believe that that any of the regular categories of food, whether it be protein, you know, carbohydrates, even complex carbohydrates, um, or fats are are to be villainized. They are to be carefully selected in each of those categories. 
And so one of the things about Whole30 is if you don't do very well with protein, and there are people that make great vegetarians, and there are people that make terrible vegetarians. Mm. You know, I had a lady one time, I just love to tell this story because she just blew my mind. You know, this is in the days where we, of course, told everybody if they wanted to lose weight, they couldn't be a vegetarian because they had too many carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And this woman just kept telling me, I feel so much better without meat. I feel so much better without protein. And she did beans and tofu and she did um, whole grains only. I mean, she was very selective, but she did whole grains only. And this woman was 180 pounds overweight and lost every bit of it. And to my knowledge, I, I kind of lost track of her after about 10 or 15 years. Well, she years. got so small. Never I mean, she's so small, you couldn't back. find her. That's she never gained any of that back. That's, a, that's something, isn't it? And that really has to do with genetics, chemistry. It does. It really Absolutely. does. Absolutely. It really and does. And no, no two people are the same. So yeah. to say that everybody should be on Whole30 or everybody right. should be on keto or everybody's allergic to nightshades, that's crazy because it's not true. Well, so how does, how not, does one pick a, pick a program that works then, right? right? I mean, well, what's the... I think that there are things we look at. For example, if you gain your weight in the middle around your belly and belly fat is a big problem and whenever you gain, that's the first place you gain, then you probably know you're insulin resistant. There's probably diabetes in your family or you already know you have you know, a predisposition towards diabetes and that is going to be the person that's going to do best on a keto whole 30 type program. Hmm. And especially until they get their blood sugar under control. Right. You know, it's like like the Jack Spratt could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. People are just very, very different in that matter. And if you um, get your metabolism, your gut healed, um, things can change radically and you can begin to eat foods maybe you never did before. But I always tell people uh, when I introduce myself, I want to say, my name is Jody and I'm a sugaraholic. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't matter how many years I have not eaten sugar. You still crave. If I choose to have one bite, it's all over just like an alcoholic mm-hmm. who would have one drink. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to understand that part of who we are is who we are. Yeah. And where I am a sugaraholic, there are other people that could, you know, take or leave sugar. That's not their deal. Right. They're not going to have trouble in that area. Jody, they may have trouble in other areas. You mentioned about uh, around the waist and then uh, that these type diets are a little bit better. Are we saying that people that um, distribute their weight generally, like you see some women, they'll have an hourglass shape. They just get larger everywhere, but they don't have it at one spot or just in the hips. Are uh, Later, can we talk about some diets that are uh, more yes. key, more frequently associated with that? And and just so you know, um, I, I just I just pulled up and we, we canceled the, the cheesecake we were sending to you for thank, uh, thanking you for this so that you don't, because we would not thank want you. to find you in the streets after That's all right. that cheesecake and never That's recovering. Right. Oh so I apologize exactly. for that right now. Okay. <laughs> no, no cheesecake for me. But yes, um, there are lots of different, there, you know, a long time ago, we, and I think you interviewed the same doctor that wrote a book on the body types diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, if you gained, like if a women that got real heavy chested and more, you know, and men that, that gained more in their upper body, those people uh, were much more prone to heart disease. And so a diet for them that would be better would be more plant-based and not so high protein. Hmm, They're not going to have so much the blood sugar. And you can have multiple things too. 
you know, there can be multiple issues, but those were the two that were probably the most outstanding. And again, people know if you do better with less protein, you know it. And if you do better with more protein, you know, I have five kids. And as I was raising my kids, it was so stinking obvious about which kid had to have protein with every meal. Mm. But they weren't the same. They weren't all the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? we're, 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 how did you how did you tell with those five? I mean, was one out tell. doing cow tipping? And I mean, was well, there anything no, about what, what you could really tell is that their blood sugar, when it dropped, they were grumpy and they were spacey and they had a hard time focusing. Okay. And if they didn't eat soon enough and they didn't have enough protein, they were just, you know, not themselves. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And it's really very different from person to person. I have found just this is just my I don't know if I could back this up scientifically, but most people that have blood sugar problems are the people that are going to do better with less carbohydrates. And they're going to be the ones that have to be really careful. They're usually overweight, whereas the underweight folks that you can't get to gain weight who can eat anything and everything they want, they generally are not the ones that have blood sugar problems. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think you you hit on a big uh, kind of a trigger for me earlier, a little bit earlier when you said people just know because of how they feel, right? And so I think one of the big challenges is, you know, do you stop and take account after you have, if you're trying to kind of learn this about yourself, right, you stop and take account after you've had a meal, you know, like, how do I feel, you know, five minutes after I've eaten, 30 minutes after I've eaten, two hours after I've eaten, the next day, possibly, you know, I mean, I wonder if there are kind of what are the, for me personally, I know it's headache, sometimes I feel like I have a headache, I have a stomach ache, um, depending on what, you know, what I eat and what my body tolerates. But I, I wonder if there's, you can run through sort of a list if there are things that you think, these are things that you should pay attention to. Your body might be telling you that, hey, the thing that you just ate is maybe not the best choice for you. Exactly. Well, I have this incredible poop sheet. and <laughs> We love poop sheets uh, here at Humane. I know. This, this, this poop sheet is really awesome. But what it does is it really helps you to not only think about the symptoms, but, you know, what your stool looks like, because that'll tell you in a heartbeat. You know, if you have hard stools and you have a tendency towards constipation and your stools sink, you're not digesting protein well. And you're probably going to feel that heavy stomach, gas and bloating, not good after after a high protein meal, it it zaps all your energy to digest that protein and it diverts what you could be using, you know, for brain power and so on. Mm -hmm. And if you're somebody that um, gets gassy and bloated an hour or two after a meal and you notice you get, you know, some diarrhea and your your stool is particulate and it's, you know, just uh, all pieces and and parts, then you're the type of person that's not doing very well with complex carbohydrates, probably specifically specifically grains. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things you can learn from from your poop. You also can tell by brain fog and spaciness. The thing about foods are they usually take to to see a true allergic response. You know, you may not know till the next day because the way we digest, but most foods, if they're going to bother you or they're categorically, there are foods that bother you, you'll generally be able to tell by spaciness. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of mm-hmm. like looking at life through a mayonnaise jar. <laughs> yeah. You know, we used to say spacey and people didn't seem to understand what you're talking about, but, you know, now people can just immediately identify with 
that. I'm not sharp. I'm not focused like I could be. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I try to tell people is when you're eating, and I was just teaching a mini marathon class last night, and I gave them this example. And that was that, you know, when I was a mom of five kids and homeschooling and working, and, you know, I just had, I needed every, every ounce of energy. And I figured out that if I would eat salad for breakfast, skip all the the breakfast foods like eggs and toast and pancakes and all that. Now, it didn't mean I wouldn't fix them for the rest of my family because they could be excellent, good quality foods made correctly. But for me, I found if I would just have salad for breakfast, I was like a different person. Hmm. One, it controlled my weight. Two, I felt, you know, sharp and ready to go. I didn't have to wait till like noon before my brain woke up. So I did that very, very frequently. And, and uh, most of the time, and my kids would watch. And I got a call from my son one day when he was up at Purdue. And he said, Mom, I had been thinking about eating salad for breakfast. <laughs> I just about fell over because what he noticed is that he wasn't able to study as well. He was eating a lot of carbs. He's built just like me. He was gaining weight. He was noticing, you know, he had all this access and carbs are the quickest. You know, what's the fastest thing to do? Pop a piece of toast in the toaster, you know? Mm -hmm. And he said, I just, I need to feel better. I need to think better. Hmm. And I, I really encourage people, you can get outside the box. You don't have to be like everybody else. But figure out what is that magic formula. I'm told that race car drivers take a whole year to figure out their gas ratio for their car. And everyone is different. You go to a different engine, you have a different ratio of fuel. Mm. That really now, makes sense because it, it, it's taken me about 59 years to figure out my gas ratio. <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah, still working on it. I'm pretty close, pretty close. Well, and, yeah. and a lot of times we know, but we make bad choices and then we just have to pay the consequences. And, you know, one <laughs> of the, the people you around you is, have to pay for the consequences. That's that too, too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the uh, things that I like about um, Whole30 is it's a little more balanced in that it really encourages you to eat a wide variety of vegetables. Right. It gives you, you know, some, some, um, variation as far as what you can eat. What I don't like about Whole30 is, again, it vilifies grain completely. Right. And it vilifies beans. And I am a huge believer that it is critically important to make certain that you're getting enough fiber. Mm. And you got to eat a lot, a lot, a lot of vegetables to get enough fiber. But if you can put in one or two servings of grain and get a good variety. Now, if you're, if you're gluten sensitive, you're gluten sensitive. Mm -hmm. You get it the heck out of your diet, right. you know? Right. But if you're not, and not everybody is, mm -hmm. I do not believe that, that, um, wheat is inherently bad. Right. Now, have we changed it? Have we done stuff to it? Of course, that's all very real and very um, rational. But my best grain is spelt. Mm -hmm. And I feel so good with spelt. And I get good organic spelt grown right around the corner from me. And, you know, having one serving a day of grain keeps my whole digestive system in track. Hmm. So and are there other grains like that? Is uh, like yes. millet? Uh, give us the top three just for our listeners. Okay. Well, and remember, spelt has gluten. So <laughs> it, it would have to be for someone that tolerated gluten. But okay. spelt, kamut, those are, are old ancient grains that haven't been changed. 
But if you go to the gluten-free grains, the number one I think I'd have to put is quinoa because it's the only grain that's a complete protein. But it's really loaded with carbs. So if you think you can have three or four cups of quinoa and be fine, not so much. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be really careful with that. I do think that millet and oats would have to be at the top of that. Mm-hmm. You know, oats are such wonderful, soluble fiber. Yes. They sop up and absorb all those excesses, and they're excellent. And those are uh, – those are. you don't have to worry about gluten with those, correct? No, those are all gluten-free. Yep. Okay. And then I would certainly add brown rice, though <laughs> there is a little bit of an issue now with, you know, one of the things we forget is that uh, plants are made to also clean up the ground. So herbs and rice, you know, things like that, they'll pull whatever's in the ground out into the plant. Right. So the reason we're seeing arsenic in brown rice is because that's one of the things brown rice can do is it can pull those heavy metals out of the ground. So as long as your detox pathways are good and you're able to detox well, which unfortunately so many people aren't, then um, you should be fine. But if indeed you do have problems with heavy metals, then Mm -hmm. brown rice might be something you're a little more careful with. I think that it's fascinating that every country has a grain and that, you know, especially in the impoverished countries, that's really all they've got. Right, mm-hmm. right, absolutely. Yeah. I, and that, yeah. and it makes sense now that, you know, pretty much every meal I'm getting brown rice for my wife. Um, that makes sense. Uh, arsenic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Three oh bowls gosh. of that a day and went to seven <laughs> bowls. Uh, been well, a little misty-eyed. So let's, let's. Uh, I've heard, I've, I guess I've heard you say several kind of different things like, if you're gluten sensitive right. or um, we didn't say this, but I, it comes to mind if you're, you know, dairy sensitive or yep. um, if you have clear, you know, good detox pathways, which many people right. don't, if you, you know, so are there like, how do you find that sort of thing out? Right. I mean, so in general, I think the the consensus for a lot of people is like, well, I just didn't feel great. So I'm, I'm allergic to gluten or I have a gluten sensitivity or so we just don't eat that way. But I mean, are well, there, there are there are ways certainly- to tell? Yes, there's certainly great tests that you can do, you know, so there's no problem with with um, our ability to test now. We've really come a long way with that. So that's one thing. You can certainly have tests. And if you don't want to go to all the trouble and expense to have a test, then there's no problem. You can you can find out by just experimenting. And mm-hmm. I am a huge believer for listening to your body. Um, but try not to listen to your body with a preconceived notion, meaning, oh, yeah, everybody, you know, gluten is terrible. You know, everybody's just the plant paradox. I mean, we are seeing so many of these um, blanket statements that everything is bad. And what I'm just really trying to help people hear and what I'm saying is all of these diets, all of these different programs can work. I have a friend who she's, um, you know, used to do something completely different and she's become a self-made nutritionist because she lost a bunch of weight with keto. Now I am ecstatic that she lost a bunch of weight with keto and she looks wonderful and she feels great. And that is fabulous. But, you know, keto isn't for everybody and there are issues and there are cardiologists that are going ballistic over keto Mm -hmm. because of the amount of protein. There's not much balance there. And what I'm so afraid of and and all these people that have um, chosen to do keto over having like, say, for example, bypass surgery, which, of course, I think is 
you know, hugely challenging in and of itself to, to do something like that. But for the people that are doing keto, what's going to happen if they don't do keto anymore? What if they do have heart disease? What if right. they are seeing some issues? Mm-hmm. You know, are they just going to gain all this weight back? So I would I would ask people, even if you're doing something for the short term because you have a very specific, you're very goal-oriented, you want to lose the 20 pounds, think ahead of the diet, the you know process mm-hmm. you're using mm-hmm. to have a plan because it's so worthless and it's actually dangerous if you lose and gain and lose and gain Correct. that's more dangerous than to to just be overweight yeah so once again we've run out of time Way and we have way more time. stuff to talk to Jody about yes, so fortunately she's going to keep talking this to is us part 1 And then our listeners have to come back for part two. That's exactly right. Excellent. So let's do that. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 